You are listening to the Steadfast Life Podcast from Jake and Witt over at Steadfast Life Coaching. This is where you'll hear stories, insights, interviews, and observations that will inspire and equip you to take your health, wealth, and relationships from here to elite. Whether it's overcoming struggles, our foundational relationship with Jesus Christ, the lessons we've learned from competing in sports, or the perspective that only comes from pushing your body and mind to the edge to climb 14,000 foot peaks, these opportunities have given us a unique perspective on mindset that we are excited to share with you right now. Hello, my friends. Thanks for stopping by once again, and welcome to the second podcast in our two-part series on practicing new beliefs. Wit and I take our clients through a three-step process to renew their thinking, and it consists of becoming aware of the thoughts through a journaling exercise, then understanding those thoughts and the role they play in the way the client is experiencing life, and then practicing new thoughts if they discover a few they'd prefer to live without. Now, the expression practice new thoughts tends to come off pretty vague to many of our new clients. So this series is to help clarify that piece of the process. Today, we're going to dive into the purpose and the how. And I'm going to start off with a story because that's what I do. Growing up in California, I had the opportunity to play volleyball in an event called the Manhattan Beach Six Man, which is a giant volleyball tournament that is part of the Manhattan Beach Surf Festival. There's only one six-man tournament on the beach worth noting, so it's simply referred to as the six-man. Now I know, if you're from my hometown, you're mad that I just completely blew off the Gillis, but as far as people who actually listen to this podcast are concerned, there's really only one six-man volleyball tournament on the beach. There is a wide cross-section of players who sign up for this outrageously unique tournament due to sort of a party atmosphere and the tradition of playing in costume. There are many teams of just party animals who are there just to have fun and enjoy the atmosphere. There are a lot of young local players kind of hoping to establish their spot in the history of the six-man There are professional beach volleyball players, there are Olympians and former Olympians, and then there are teams like mine. We're good enough to make it to Sunday, as they say, even though the tournament's not always on a Saturday and Sunday these days, but we're getting up in years and we're trying to kind of cling to one last blast and soak up the energy of of the event and put on a great show and mostly just have a cool opportunity to hang out together. For many of us, this weekend is the only time we see each other all year long. We have a show first, volleyball second mentality as we dress as WWF, yes, F, not E, wrestlers from the 80s, and try our best to beat our opponent and entertain the crowd. Just for some perspective, one of my teammates is a six foot eight former Division I volleyball player turned mechanical engineer who is a project manager for Raytheon and dresses in a black leotard with a pillow in his stomach to become Andre the Giant. Like I said, this is a unique event. And of course, he put his mechanical engineering skills to good use and designed and built 
wrestling ropes that go around the ring. So every time we play in this tournament, there is a wrestling ring around our court, and we can even go off the ropes, as they say, in the in the wrestling arena. And uh, we warm up for our games, practicing our wrestling moves instead of our volleyball. Now, this tournament was something I watched with awe as a kid and then was lucky enough to be part of as I got older. It's an awesome memory for me, and I'd love to talk about it all day long, but it's actually not the main event in terms of my reason for, for uh, creating this podcast. Sometimes I find myself in a position where my dreams are a little too big when compared to what I've already accomplished in my life so far. Have you ever experienced that? This tension when you start thinking about a version of life you crave to live, but there's something inside of you that keeps reminding you that you're not the type of person you need to be to live that kind of life that you haven't proven yourself worthy of of dreaming those types of dreams. Isn't that a crazy idea? That you have to earn the right to believe you're capable of something more. So what if that wasn't the case? What if you were allowed to believe whatever you wanted? Well, one morning of the six-man, our team was a little flat. We knew it. In reality, most of us are coaches, so we noticed it and knew how important it was to fix it. We could feel it, and we knew that if we couldn't turn the tide, if we couldn't shift the momentum, then we'd lose. But we didn't really have a great idea of how to fix it. This is where we get a false message from watching sports, in my opinion. How often have you heard the announcer say, somebody has to step up and make a play? Basically saying, someone on the team needs to take responsibility to change a circumstance to cause a better feeling for the team. But we know better. Circumstances don't cause feelings. Thoughts do. So what if you didn't need to wait for a big play? What if you could simply start thinking the thoughts now and generate the feelings of confidence, empowerment, and resolve to overcome now? Well, on this particular morning, a hilarious individual, a guy who flies out from Germany just for the tournament, by the way, Doug Hughes, he started jumping around on the court, clapping his hands and screaming, clap for no reason, clap for no reason. And we all started joining in the jumping and clapping and the screaming as clap for no reason became our team battle cry for the remainder of the tournament. Doug, if you're listening, maybe you should consider doing some life coaching because that was genius. In one short phrase, he destroyed the belief that belief had to be earned or deserved and he answered anyone who disagreed by owning his stance on the issue. Imagine how this debate with your inner critic would look. You say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and keep it off. And your critic says, that's dumb. You've tried that a thousand times and failed. You say, well, I believe I can. And your critic says, where's your evidence? Show me the logic that allows you to believe that. And you say, oh yeah, I'm actually believing it for no reason. I like to say it with a smart ass smile. It works in so many areas. Check it out. Your critic says, where do you get off just believing you can love that person who you've been disconnected with for 11 years? Oh yeah, I'm believing it for no reason. Maybe your critic says, what makes you believe you can just forgive them after all that? And you reply, oh yeah, I'm believing it for no reason. 
Your critic says, what gives you the right to believe you can simply choose to be okay about the terrible thing that you suffered in the past? Oh yeah, I'm believing that for no reason. There are no belief police that come and stop you for believing whatever you want. You're actually allowed to believe without the circumstances changing first. How do I know? Well, first of all, I do it. And this isn't my idea. I've heard it from Brooke Castillo, from Byron Katie, from Lee Bauckham, from my parents, from my sports coaches growing up, but it's actually not any of their idea either. John 20, 29, Jesus said to them, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. In my personal faith, I believe that when Jesus tells us what to do like this, it's not because he wants something from us. It's because he wants something for us. I am being taught by my favorite teacher that not only am I allowed to clap for no reason, it will unlock my potential and increase the experience available to me in this life. So how do you do it? If you don't currently believe something, even if you can start to see that you might be allowed to believe what you want, how in the world do you believe something you've never believed? Well, I'm not going to pretend I'm the expert on this, but I do it, and I'd be happy to let you know how. The way I see it, believing something new is a lot like doing something new. If you can't do it yet and you want to, then you practice. You get reps. So what does the practice look like if we're talking about thoughts and not learning to ride a unicycle or something? Well, here's how I practice thoughts. First, I keep them accessible. I want access. I, I rehearse them. I repeat them. I write them. I read them. Maybe a note on the bathroom mirror or a note on the fridge or I change the screensaver on my phone. I've even put a colored dot on a sticker on my notebook when I was in school so that every time I pulled out the notebook, I would see the colored dot and I would remember the thought that was associated with it that I, I was trying to practice. I want these thoughts to start being the thoughts I think first and most. So I remind myself and I get my reps. The second thing I do is I, I learn them. Now, the secret to teaching is to connect the new information to the old information. Teachers say, connect to prior knowledge. I work on connecting the new beliefs to my current beliefs. Sometimes this is positive correlations, like Joe did it so it's possible. If it's possible, then maybe I can do it too. Sometimes it's more like doubting my doubt. Well, there was one time that I thought I wouldn't be strong enough to bounce back from divorce, and here I am better than ever. Or maybe I'm wrong that it's impossible to start a business at 43 with no experience. I start taking the knowledge that I have and attaching this new knowledge and undoing the obstacle beliefs or the limiting beliefs that are keeping the new beliefs from me. Third, I look to others who have them. Not the results, the beliefs. I listen to podcasts, I listen to books, I read blogs, I watch videos, I simply consume. I find that there are extremely intelligent people who have the beliefs that I want and they can offer incredible ammunition to battle my current belief that that new belief is impossible. If these intelligent people are willing to believe it, that gives me a lot of courage to believe it myself. Fourth, I start with values. Do I value success or do I value discipline? Results 
or process, rewards or work, money or character, comfort or growth. As you establish these values, the framework of your worldview comes into focus. And then I have a place to attach the new beliefs I want to have. For example, I value process, work, character, and growth. Therefore, my lack of previous success, results, rewards, and money doesn't decrease my value to some arbitrary line that determines my permission to believe. Fifth, I measure the new belief based on the value it will have in my life, not on absolute truth. Often the belief I want is true, and there's a contradictory belief that's also true. Measuring based on value instead of truth helps me to remain open to the exploration for evidence that helps me believe the belief I want. This last one is where we spend a lot of time with clients and and to maximize its value, it really requires pen and paper and going through a lot of exercises to, to expose all of this stuff. But the basic idea is that you're not obligated to an idea just because it's true. You can simply choose to feed the idea that leads to the result you're after. Now, I still use Doug's technique all the time. It's amazing what random clapping can do to improve the energy of a room, especially when I find myself in a workout environment where people are searching for a spark, but even when I walk into a group setting where I can sense the potential awkwardness, think first day of school. Sure, it feels a little strange and people might look at you sideways at first, but I promise they'll smile and their mood will lift. My favorite part is that every now and then someone will ask, why are you clapping? And I get to say in my best, isn't it obvious tone for no reason. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you find yourself wanting progress faster than you're getting it, the adjustment that moves the needle for you could be to increase your consistency. Witten, and I believe that consistency is the pathway to self-trust and we've seen it improve our clients' lives in such dramatic fashion that we've created an online ecosystem to deliver consistency on demand. Our online ecosystem is called Trust University or Trust You. See what we did there? If you or someone you know might benefit from the ability to actually do what you say you're going to do, then send us an email or head over to SteadfastLifeCoaching.com and start learning to trust you.